Let's lift up the name of the Lord our God tonight. Let's lift up the name of the Lord our God tonight. He's more than enough for me. Hallelujah. He's more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. Jesus, you're all I need. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Glory and honor to the name of the Lord our God. Why don't we clap our hands unto him again and just give him a high praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, fill this house with praise unto God. Fill this house with praise unto God. Hallelujah. Fill this house with praise unto the Lord. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise will give you victory over your tormentor. Praise will give you victory over your tormentor. Hallelujah. The enemy has no control or authority over you. And when you begin to praise God, you're reminded of that. Hallelujah. Why don't we do it just one more time? Lord, I love you and give you praise. You are high and lifted up. I worship you with my whole heart. I magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for you are worthy of all the praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. I'm so thankful to see all of y'all in the house of God tonight. Amen. Why don't you give one another a big hand clap of gratitude to see the people of God. Amen. I tried, to, I tried to teach last Wednesday on the Lord our God is one. And uh, then you know how, if you were here, you know how that turned out. We, we went uh, from teaching and, and then we shifted gears and, and started preaching. And, um, and then I got about three, you know, sentences into our notes and we just had a good time. I think we were just really, really glad to be back to church on a Wednesday night. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ladies and gentlemen, cherish this place. Cherish this place. I know that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost as people, as the body of Christ. But he has been so gracious as to provide us a place where we can gather together and lift up the name of the Lord. And we are in the process of expanding this place to be much larger than what we have right now. And in the name of Jesus Christ, it shall be done. Hallelujah. It shall be done. Hallelujah. Sister Pat Williams, it's so good to see you tonight. Our prayers have been with you. Let's, let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for this precious woman of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We're thankful that God has kept his hand upon her and we of course grieve with her over the passing of our dear brother Jerry Williams and, and uh, we want to continue to uphold her in prayer but uh, tonight I want to continue in our lesson the Lord our God is one so I'm going to begin by uh, just reading from the book of Deuteronomy and I'm going to read the principal verse of scripture uh, that we read from last week that we'll talk about tonight and this of course uh, is called the Shema. Uh, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Now in English that means, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And so we talked last week about the fact that the very first word of that verse is a, uh, a tell-all, if you please, of what God is really trying to tell us. Hear, listen to what the Lord is saying. I'm about to tell you something, but I don't want it to fall on deaf ears. I want you to hear what I'm saying. The Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. You shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, 
and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. It shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Hallelujah. And give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, wells that thou didn't, you didn't dig, vineyards that you didn't plant, and, and uh, when you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And what we're seeing in our world today, and uh, even, in, even in many cases those who claim to follow the Lord, Many people have forgotten the Lord their God. And we don't ever want to do that. And we know that if we're honest, we can even say in our own lives, we have drifted from thinking about the Lord, knowing about the Lord. And God forbid that it happened. But, but there are times when you know as well as I, we just need a good old-fashioned prayer meeting. And I got to tell you, you know, when we were coming through quarantine and uh, people were staying home, man, I began to notice people need to be in church. I mean, you know that, but it's starting to show. The people of God need to be in the house of God. Amen. Let the word of God get to you and reach you. And uh, there's something that begins to help us live for God when we're worshiping God in his presence together. And, and so there's this possibility when you come into a land that God gives you where you can get spoiled and you can begin to live off the blessings of the Lord to such a degree that you can forget the Lord your God. And so this is why the Lord just laid it down, nailed it down, made it plain. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I don't want you to forget that when the world parades their gods before you. And make, try to make you feel inferior because you've got this one invisible God. You don't have a statue to, to uh, point to that is a reflection of him. You don't have graven images. You don't have idols. We don't need those things. We just have the Lord. He is God all by himself. He's invisible. And, and yet he is God. He is fully God. And so... He said, I want you to know this, and I want you to talk about it, and I want you to teach it diligently. I want you to make it plain. I want you to put it all over your house. I want you to put it everywhere you go. I want you to never forget that the Lord our God is one Lord. That is the basis of everything else you will learn about God. Don't ever move off of that foundation right there. Regardless of anything else you learn about God, never move off of the foundation that the Lord our God is one Lord. When somebody comes along and tries to tell you that, that there are multiple gods, you hold firm to the truth that the Lord our God is one Lord. When somebody comes along and tries to play around with it and say, well, okay, fine, he's one God, but he's multiple persons, you hold firm to the truth that the Lord our God is one Lord. There has been a, a demon of, of a plurality of divinities that has been loosed throughout the earth for generations that has continually, it's an ancient heresy that has tried to say that there are multiple gods or a multiplicity of, of divine beings that are needed in order to govern this world in which we live. And I'm going to tell you folks, and this Bible tells us, God needs no other. Anybody he created, he created out of love, not out of need. He is not a man that he needs anything. And he does not need a temple that our hands have made as though he needs anything. Understand, anything God creates, he does so out of his love for, for us. And so never let anything move you off of the foundation. The Lord our God is one Lord. So I'm not embracing anything that's not rooted in that foundation. I'm not, I'm not lending my mind to anything that's not rooted and grounded in the, the sure foundation that there is only one God. 
It says something about our God that he is only one. It says something about him. If he were a multiplicity of deities, that would have said something about him. That he, that he hands things off and is in need and trying to make things work because he's not sufficient in and of himself. But the fact that he is one is important to understand. He is one God. And he, as one God, is your healer, your savior, your deliverer, your counselor, your creator, your judge, your advocate. He's the lamb, he's the priest, he's the shepherd, he's the door to the sheepfold. He's all in all. He is God all by himself. When he told Moses at the burning bush, he said, listen, come close. I'm going to reveal my name to you, and it's a name I did not even reveal to Abraham. I'm going to give you a depth of understanding about me that I didn't even give to the great patriarch Abraham. And he said, this is my name. I am. I am. That, that name, it just blows my mind. Because God is letting Moses know, I am self-existent. You and I, we are not self-existent. We are tied to our creator. He put the breath in our lungs. But nobody put breath in his lungs. We were formed of the dust of the ground, but nobody formed him of the dust of the ground. And he even said, don't try to form me. Don't try to form an image of me. You can't go grave some kind of an image of me. That's the mistake that people have made for generations and for centuries. Uh, yay, millenniums. And we need to understand that our God is self-existent, self-sufficient. That's what the name Yahweh means. It means the self-existent one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It all, everything starts with one. And the Lord our God is one. Hallelujah. So, so this is what you have to understand. Now, as we grow in God, as we learn more about God and we begin to understand more about his nature, it's important that we remain secure in that understanding, that revelation, and then we can move on from that to understand more about God. So let's talk about the next thing we need to know about God. God became a man. Hallelujah. Now, when you begin to wrap your brain around that, don't let yourself move off of the foundation that he is one God. So he became a man. And we're going to talk a little bit about why he became a man. Now the reason that the Lord became a man is because man had sinned. And when man sinned, it brought death into the world. The Bible says that man sinned and it brought death into the world. So we're going to look now to Romans chapter 5. I want to read to you a few verses of scripture. Man had sinned, and this sin brought death into the world. Now, we all hate death. We all hate death. Nobody here likes the idea of dying. Nobody likes the idea of loved ones dying. Nobody likes the idea of, of good things coming to an end. There's an old adage that says all good things must come to an end. In a fallen world, yes, but not in God's grand plan. But in a fallen world, all good things must come to an end. This is because of sin. Now, we hate death, but too, too often we don't hate sin. You've got to hate sin. If you do not hate sin, you will tolerate sin. You will make allowances for sin. You will flirt with sin. You will begin to, to justify why sin is okay and we start even creating various levels of sin where we say oh it's not all that bad it's not that big a deal but sin brings death it is a corrosive corrupting influence that brings with it a terrifying stranger that upends your whole life all the pain, all the sorrow, all the shame, all, the, all of the, the terror in your life, you can tie all of it back to sin. 
whether it's yours or someone else's. But you can always tie it back to sin because sin is what opens the door to death. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, we just throw that out there. Christ died for us. But I want us to remember what that means. Christ died for us because we were sentenced to die. So when it says Christ died for us, it, it means Christ died so we won't have to. Christ died for us. When? While we were yet sinners. Not once we got our act together. Not once we had got everything in order. Not once we had gotten into our good behavior. Not once we had learned all the rules. But, but while we were yet sinners, God commended his love toward us. And the commendation of God's love toward us is Christ dying for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. That word justified means made innocent. We are made innocent by his blood. Now I could go around this room and, and make a full sweep of this house up on the platform and throughout this, throughout this place and we could list every sin that was ever committed by each and every individual. We wouldn't want to do that. None of us would want to do that. But it wouldn't matter in the end because we are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've repented from your sins, have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you hear what I'm telling you, you are made innocent by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now the devil might have documentation, he might have receipts, he might point an accusing finger, but God established it in his word, being now justified, made innocent by the blood of Jesus, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't you know what that was on the cross? Wounded, bruised, beaten, smitten, smitten of God, afflicted, stricken. This man was chastised. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter like a sheep before his shearers. He was dumb. He, the Bible said, it pleased the Father to bruise him. He was wounded upon that cross. That was the wrath of God upon yours and my sins. When you look at the beaten, bloodied, mutilated Christ, you are looking at a picture of our sins. He didn't, just, he didn't just take away our sins. He assumed our sins so much so that he became our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. So when you look at that bleeding bruised, wounded, crucified Christ upon the cross, you are looking at God's wrath upon the sin you find so easy to commit. And you just do it flippantly because you've grown so accustomed to the mercy of God that sin doesn't even faze you any longer. And you've tuned your ear into a carnal culture that lies to you the lies of the devil himself pretending like there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. You look at that bloodied, crucified Christ again and again and again until you know for a fact how God really sees your sin. Hallelujah. Why do you think we sing about Calvary? Why do you think we preach about Calvary? Why do you think we lift him up for the world to see? Because we need to see the redemptive power of God. Both God's judgment upon sin and his salvation of humanity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, now reading from verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being 
reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Hallelujah. Verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead. Now, the offense of one that brought about the death of many is Adam's sin. It was the offense of one man that brought about the death of many. It was Adam who sinned. So we see in verse number 15, for through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Hallelujah. Verse number 19. For as by one man's disobedience. Everybody say one man's disobedience. Many were made sinners by one man's disobedience. By Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Glory. <laughs> Glory to God. You, you've got to understand, man got himself into this mess. And so now by law, man has to get himself out of this mess. That's the way it works. That's the law. Somebody has to live a perfect life. Somebody has to gain the advantage over sin and death. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, I want to read to you just verses 20 through 22. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. Verse number 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. It was necessary because man got himself into the problem that man get himself out of the problem. He could not outsource this. He could not, he could not offload this to someone else. It was his sin. It was his corruption. He had to make sure that he brought about the salvation that was necessary. Now, Isaiah chapter 63 and actually Isaiah chapter 59. We're going to read there first and then we're going to go to 63. Isaiah 59 verse 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Verse number 15, let's read that first. Isaiah 59, 15. Yea, truth faileth. This is the condition of the world God came to save. Truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him. And his righteousness, whose righteousness? His righteousness. It sustained him. Isaiah chapter 63 and verse number 5. Still the prophet Isaiah. Verse number 4. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. This is the prophet Isaiah describing that there is no man that can deliver man from sin and death. That there is no intercessor that's going to rise up from the ranks of man and live the kind of holy life it requires to overcome sin and overcome death. You look through this Bible and Pick a prophet. Go ahead, pick a prophet. Find you somebody in here that did such great works. And you won't just read about their great works. You'll read about their sin as well. You'll read about them falling into temptation. 
you'll read about them being tempted to lie and stumbling into it. Tempted to lust and stumbling into it. Tempted to hate and stumbling into it. Tempted to lose their self-control and stumbling into it. You won't find any perfect man in this Bible except one. Hallelujah. Man has to get himself out of the mess that he created and God looked upon this situation and God said, I will become a man so that I can deliver man from his problems. God had to become a man so that he could deliver man out of the mess that man created. God, hallelujah, God had to put himself into the form of man. Now, somebody might say, well, why didn't God just snap his fingers? He's God. All things are possible. Just snap your fingers, you know, blink your eyes or something. Think a thought and make it all go away. You see, that's, that's the way we think because we're human beings, and, and, and we like to break rules. But God doesn't do that. God's not a lawbreaker. There was a law in place. See, in the Garden of Eden, there was a law of liberty that was in place. There was freedom. There was communion with God. But when man sinned, it changed the law, and, and he entered into the law of sin and death. So when God was going to deliver man, God had to subject himself to the law of sin and death and beat sin and death with their own rules. Otherwise, he's a lawbreaker. God is not a God of criminality. God is not a lawbreaker. So no, he's not just going to snap his fingers and change everything. He stepped into the legal parameters where it is required that a work be done. And he lived the kind of life that sin could not control. He lived the kind of life that death had no hold over. Who did it? God did it. He became a man. God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, when we start teaching like this, this is when the demons that have been haunting you all week, they run and flee because they hear the truth of the Almighty God being declared. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you every chain can break off of you when we begin to declare this truth of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You need to rest in the goodness of the Lord. Rest in the truth of his word. Rest in the power of his gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse uh, 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, and without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. Now there are many people who default to this verse when they cannot explain to you that, that the Almighty God became a man and suffered, bled, died, and rose from the dead. And they want to split him up into varying persons and personalities. But understand that when you look at this, he's not just saying that the mystery of godliness is great. He does say that. Great is the mystery of godliness. But then he begins to expound on what the mystery of godliness is. He undoes the mystery. He reveals the mystery. He lets us understand. That, that was the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul would say, behold, I show you a mystery. He wasn't about letting things stay in some mystical, mysterious cloud. That's Old Testament. New Testament, hallelujah, the veil is rent. New Testament... What was veiled in the Old Testament is unveiled in the New Testament. So he said, yes, yes, no question. Great is the mystery of godliness, but I'm fixing to break it down for you. God 
God. Let's understand who we're talking about. God. Jehovah God. Yahweh. Elohim. El Shaddai. God. El Yon. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not another God. Remember, the Lord our God is one. God. The God who thundered on Sinai. The God who met Daniel in the lion's den. The God who parted the waters of the Red Sea. God was manifest in the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is not another beside him. There is no other. Stop trying to divide him up and dilute his power. He is God. He is one God. The invisible God of Israel was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. Who was? God was. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world. And God was received up into glory. When Jesus ascended on high, they were looking at God manifest in the flesh. Ascending on high. Why did God have to become a man? Because man could not redeem himself from the sin that he had fallen into. There was no intercessor. There was nobody who was holy enough. Nobody who was pure enough. And there's still nobody holy enough or pure enough except the Lord Jesus Christ. And let, me, and, let me, and let me tell you something. When God became a man, he really became a man. He didn't become a pretend man. He didn't become a fake man. He didn't become a man with an asterisk beside his name. He became a man. He was made of a woman. He was made under the law. He was subject to the law of sin and death. He had to exceed the standard prescribed by the law of Moses. He was a real life man. Another way of saying that is he was a son of God. Furthermore, he was the only begotten son of God. That's an important thing to understand because a lot of people like to say, well, throughout eternity, there are three persons and there's a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And they're three persons and they've been there forever. That's not the way that it works. God, there is a point in time where God became a man. Now, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That word is logos. It means the idea, the thought, the expression, the inspiration. In the beginning was the thought, the idea, the expression, the, the inspiration. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, so and, and the Bible says the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The man Christ Jesus, though, entered the world at a point in history. And he was conceived of the Virgin Mary when the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Hallelujah. And she conceived and brought forth a son. And his name was called Emmanuel, being interpreted God. Who? God. Let's, do I need to go through it again? Elohim, El Shaddai, El Yon, Jehovah Jireh, Shema, Rophi, Rohi. God. The only God. The one God. Alpha and Omega God with us. Amen. Hallelujah. So he, so Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. He entered into this earth at a point in time. At a point in history. In the eternities, the concept of Jesus Christ existed as the thought and the idea and the plan of Almighty God. And you see it happen in Genesis chapter 1. It's not three separate persons. 
The Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Again, one, one, one. These are not separate persons, but you see it in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the Word of God came forth saying, let there be light. You see those three bearing record right there in Genesis chapter 1. They're not separate persons. It's one God operating in all three capacities. As Father, He created the heaven and the earth, and His Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, and His Word came forth, let there be light. Now, if you want to get into it, I'll go there because the scripture said, let there be. And that word for let there be is the word I am. It, it actually is the Hebrew word haya, haya, I am. It's what Moses was hearing God say at the burning bush when he said, what is your name? He said, Haya, I am. So when God moved upon the face of the waters, he said, Haya, light. Let there be light literally means I am light. And what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that his word is him. I said his word is him. When his word goes forth, that's him going forth. My God, that's why the centurion said, I am a man under authority. I know what it means to say to one come and to another go and then come and go. You don't have to come under the roof of my house. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you something. When you walk from this house and you can't get back here right away. Now, you need to be here as often as you can, but you can't get back here right away. And you got nothing but the word. You still got him. Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. His word. That's how Jesus Jesus existed not as a separate person, but as the Word of God. And, and as the man Christ Jesus, he entered into this world as the only begotten Son of God. He was begotten of God through the Virgin Mary. And so Jesus <laughs> is God manifest in the flesh. Why did he have to become a son of God? Why did he have to become the son of God? The only begotten son of God. Here's why. Because you and I are sons of God. Daughters of God. And we don't know it until we see Jesus. We don't know who we are until we see Jesus. We don't know what life means until we see Jesus. Look, look, look with me to Genesis chapter 3. Look, look at what happens in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to begin reading at the 6th verse of Genesis chapter 3. Notice what happens here. Verse number 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. First time they ever hid from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. It is the first time we encounter fear in the word of God. Where did the fear come from? The fear came from sin. It came from the presence of sin in his life. That's what makes us afraid is, is the fact that sin and death are now looming large in our world. And they had not loomed large at all. They had no entrance into the garden until Adam sinned. And, and once he sinned, notice what happens. 
He's hiding from the presence of God. He is afraid when he hears the voice of God. Now the Lord said, I am the Lord and I change not. So God didn't change. God was still God. He still loved Adam. He still wanted to have relationship with Adam. He never, nothing about God changed. The only thing that changed was Adam. And, and, and Adam hears this voice of God and instead of running to him, he runs from him. Why? Because he had begun the long journey away from understanding his position with God. He now no longer understood the benefits of being a son of God. He was afraid of his own father. And he's running from God and on the list goes through the scriptures. And finally, the more you go just a few chapters into Genesis, you've got a world. None of them know, none of them know anything about who they really are. They're all trying to get ahead. They're all fighting. They're all killing. They're all self-indulging. They're all trying to, to get their own way and, and perform their own ideas. And, and none of them understand who they really, really are. In fact, when God tells Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and bring them to the mountain. The Bible said they looked up at the mountain and all they saw was lightning and they heard thunder and they saw darkness and vapors and tempest and they heard a voice that, that, that sent chills down their spine and they said we'll have nothing to do with him. That's terrifying. God was still God. He was still good. He was still loving. He was still kind. He was still compassionate. But sin had so distorted their view of God that they had no idea. All they had to do was walk up into that presence and seek him and he would be found. Ask and it would be given. Knock and the door would be opened. They didn't know any of that because they had been deprived of their knowledge of who they really are. We see an example of that in the book of Genesis when the Lord, uh, there's a manifestation. Uh, the Bible calls it an angel of the Lord. And, and it's actually some kind of, a, of an entity that leaps out upon Jacob and begins to fight him. Now Jacob had been Jacob since his mother's womb. He was a heel holder, a supplanter, a deceiver, a conniver. That's how he lived his life. He was all these things. Never did he trust God fully. He just trusted in his own ability to get ahead no matter who he cheated no matter who he hurt but now he's in a wrestling match with a messenger of God and the Bible said that it it was a bruising match they touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and by morning the day begins to break and the angel of the Lord said let me go and Jacob said I'll not let you go until you bless me and he said what is your name and Jacob said, my name is Jacob. I, my name is cheater. My name is conniver. My name is heel holder. I've got this label on me. And everybody knows me by this label. And this angel of the Lord said, because you've been honest about how you've lived your life and who you really are, I'm going to tell you who God has always intended you to be. Hallelujah. You shall no longer be called Jacob. You are Israel. Because as a prince, you have prevailed with God and with man. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. That's who you are. You're not cheater. You're not liar. You're not deviant. You're not, that's not who you are. That may be what you've done, but that's not who you are. When you come into Jesus Christ, he washes you, justifies you by his blood, fills you with his spirit, and he gives you a new name. He gives you the name you were always supposed to have. He gives you the name you were to have before there was ever a sin committed in a garden of Eden and he says you are my son when we say preach the gospel to every creature that's kind of a, a nutshell way of saying get out there and tell this world who they're really supposed to be
There's a devil in hell who has convinced them that they have no hope, that they have no help, that they have no future, that they have no purpose. But Jesus has come that you might have a life and that you might have it more abundantly. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You've got to know that you are a child of the Most High God. Hallelujah. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? I mean, that's, that's great. We're shouting. We're clapping. We're rejoicing. But what does it mean to be a child of the Most High God? I'm so glad you asked. That's why you have to look at Jesus. Why did he become the son of God? So you can know what a son of God is. Because that's who you are. Oh, we sing it. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. On earth I long. To be like him. All through life's journey. From earth to glory. I only ask to be like him. It's more than a song. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Hallelujah. Learn of me. Because if you, if you get under his yoke, glory to God. I'll, hallelujah. I feel like singing, preaching, teaching, praising praying, laying hands on folks. I feel like doing a whole lot of things right now because I'm talking about the goodness of Jesus. Somebody said, I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do. I took off the old robe and put on the new. That means I'm glad that I'm under the yoke with Jesus. I'm glad I took his yoke upon me. Because I'm learning of him. And he'll teach you. He'll teach you how to treat your friends. He'll teach you how to treat your family. He'll teach you how to treat those in authority. He'll teach you how to treat those who are hurting and those who are burdened with life's problems and challenges. He'll teach you how to pray. He'll teach you how to love your neighbor. He will teach you how to live. He will teach you how to die. He will teach you how to rise from the dead. He will teach you how to, how to ascend on high. Do you hear what I'm telling you? He's teaching you how to be a son of God one of the craziest stories in the gospel and ministry of Jesus has to do with when the disciples are in a boat and the and the storm is raging and and the Bible says that they thought they would die and it's a bad day folks that's a bad moment that's a bad day when there's a storm raging lightning flashing thunder rolling winds and waves and they think the boat's gonna capsize and off in the distance they see a ghost walking on the water if it couldn't get worse, it just got worse. A ghost walking on the water. That's what they thought it was. But somebody said, what if it is Jesus? And Peter said, I, I tell you, there's only one way to find out. I'm going to find out if this is really Jesus. The unmistakable identifying quality of Jesus. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. And I'm going to tell you something. God will never turn down a hungry heart. Glory to God. If it be thou, bid me come. And if he invites me to him, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And Jesus said, come. And Peter gets out of the water and starts walking on the water just like Jesus was walking on the water. Just like Jesus is walking on the water, Peter is walking on the water. It is, like, it is like a firm foundation under his feet. But the craziest thing about that account is that the scripture says Jesus was walking on the water and would have passed them by. He wasn't going to rescue them. He was walking on the water for one reason. He wanted to show them that they are sons of God and they too can walk on water. This is what happens to a saint of God, a child of God, when they are going through the most terrifying storms of their life. And by all intents and purposes and by all accounts, they should be underwater and they should be drowning in despair. But somewhere, something, 
something gets a hold of them and they begin to trample on the lion and the adder. They begin to walk on top of principalities and powers. They subdue the enemy under their feet. What is that? That is the sonship that lives inside of them. That the Holy Ghost has awakened inside of them. That being baptized in his name has given them access to. They are sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. He, this is why he multiplied the bread and the loaves. Every miracle that he did, all the miracles that he did, had something to do with taking authority over the elements of this earth. He became a man, the man Christ Jesus, the only begotten Son of God for the express purpose of helping you and I to understand who we were always supposed to be. And if any man will be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Pastor, why are you teaching on the oneness of God? Isn't that something that we kind of have down pat? Here's why. Because sometimes you forget, saints of God forget, we all forget that we are in Christ and old things are passed away. We can't go back to old things, and we can't lean on old things, and we can't gravitate to old things, and we can't embrace old things. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that the Holy Ghost inside of us will raise that red flag and say, ah, that's an old way of thinking. Ah, ah, that's an old way of doubting. Ah, no, that's an old way of feeling defeated. No, no, that's an old way of being down on yourself. It's time to know the Lord our God is one. He became a man. He rescued me from what I couldn't rescue myself from. He made a way for me to be in him, to abide in him, and to have power and authority with God. Come on, somebody, clap your hands unto the Lord if you believe the word of God. Uh -huh. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want somebody to praise him like he brought you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. I want somebody to praise him like he wiped the tears from your eyes. I want somebody to praise him like he brought you from a mighty long way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, stand with me right now. Stand with me right now. I want us to understand something tonight. I want us to understand something tonight. We are unable to be saved. As our, as our musicians come, we are unable to be saved. Do you understand that? We, we cannot. We're done. We missed it. We missed it. We've sinned. Anybody in here that's perfect? Don't, please don't raise your hand. Stay awake. Hear what I actually said. Don't, don't raise your hand. Here's the thing. Because of our imperfection, we have already missed out on heaven. We've already missed out on it. So here's, here's what God did. God said, because you can now not be saved, because you are sinners, and there is no place for sinners in heaven. He said, I'm going to become like you so you can become like me. I'm going to come down into human flesh. I'm going to take upon myself the form of a servant. I'm going to live the perfect life you couldn't live. I'm going to live the holy life you couldn't live. And I'm going to take it all the way to the cross. Hallelujah. And I'm going to sacrifice and crucify every sin you've ever committed. And you're going to then be baptized into me. And because you're baptized into me, you now stand in judgment glory to God not as you but as innocent like me I want to tell you something if we rehearsed that truth daily in our mind we would never live beneath the victory that God has prescribed for us you ought to give God praise for the plan of salvation you ought to give God praise for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Come on, I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. I feel the presence of the Lord in this house. I don't know where all this is going to travel. I don't know who all is listening. I don't know the need of every person sitting in this room or those who are listening via live stream or podcast. But I will tell you this, any individual that repents from their sin and are baptized into the name of Jesus Christ and filled with his Holy Spirit, there is power that comes upon them. Power, 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 Holy Ghost power. And there's no addiction that has authority over them. And there's no chemical imbalance that has authority over them. And there's no sickness that has authority over them. And there's no generational curse that has authority over them. You are new in Jesus Christ. The Lord our God is one Lord. And he made a way for you and I (laughs) to be saved. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. See, when when we begin to think that somebody else did this, that it wasn't God who did it, when God sent forth his son, he was sending forth himself. And when we start to think that he just he just sent somebody else to do it because he was too busy or whatever, whatever the reason. Like he wanted somebody else to do it because he just wasn't going to do it. And, and you start thinking of it, it dilutes the way you think about the love of God. I'm going to tell you, God did it. And one of my favorite verses of scripture is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when it says this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God folks I'm telling you there's nothing that separates you from God right now that sin that carnality whatever it is you feel that has distanced you from God all it takes is one big step right now just step out into faith and say Lord I need you right now I dare you I dare you to do it right now just lift up your voice in this house I know it's Wednesday night it's midweek Bible study but listen God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost right now come on I dare you to do it right now just say God I have felt far from you I need I need you. I'm opening these altars right now. I'm telling you what, it's, we got to stop playing games. It's time for people to seek God. It's time for people to find God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Come on, you're going to find the Lord himself is going to meet you. He's not going to send another. He's not going to delegate, designate, outsource. He's going to come himself to meet your need. If you need the Lord right now, if you need the Lord to touch you in a special way, I want you to come forward in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this song, and we're going to seek the face of God in the name of Jesus. All across this building, could you just lift up your hands? And let the Lord minister right now. Come on, let the Lord minister right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let the Lord minister right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 How great. How great.
those hands and lift up that praise unto him. The name above all names. Worthy of, worthy of my grace. My heart will how great is our God. you to hear me for just a second. I want you to hear me for just a second. We're about to go, but I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you. Nebuchadnezzar looked into that fiery furnace and he said, I threw three in. Why do I see a fourth? And why does this fourth man look like the son of God? Now, when he said that, that Nebuchadnezzar did not have a revelation about Jesus coming. He had an understanding that the only kind of individual who could have authority over the flames of fire could be a son of God. The son of God was a reference to an individual who had authority over the elements of this world. And so when I say that he has come to make us sons of God, that's what the Bible says, that he has come to make us sons of God. That's who he created us to be. And when we live defeated, we're not living according to the level that God has created us to live. You've got to understand that you are not the tail, you're the head. You've got to understand that you're not beneath, you're above. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't let anything push you down and keep you down. Hey, rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. How do I know? Because sons of God rise. 
So I want whatever it is that's got you down, whatever it is that's got you feeling defeated, I want you to know that's a lie from the devil, and we rebuke it in the name of Jesus all across this house. I want you to praise God for the victory. All across this house, praise God for the victory. The lies of the devil, the lies of the devil are under the blood of Jesus. I have no fear, no fear, no fear, no fear. Come on, give him praise right now for the victory. Come on and give him praise right now for the victory. Yes, Lord. Come on, all across this house, lift up that praise unto God for the victory in Jesus' God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. He put dancing in my feet. He put a song in my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and lift up your voice unto his name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and for your grace. I thank you for every individual that's in this place. I pray, Lord, that as we go, your word, hallelujah, will go with us. Your word that is spirit and life, go with us and quicken us, I pray. In Jesus' name, help us in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Help us in the name of the Lord to live according to the revelation of Jesus Christ. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. Let's clap our hands again unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you need to go, please feel free to be dismissed. God bless you in the name of Jesus. If you want to stay and praise the Lord, feel free to stay and praise the Lord a little while. God bless you in the name of the Lord.